It'll change everything. And even since that video, God's given them the new baby. Come on. God has honored some things. It's been incredible. Come on, let's give God one more time. One more hand of praise. I love it. There's a lot more to come. We want to just be in an atmosphere of celebrating God moving among us. I mean, we've been in this sermon series, uh, Red Sea Revelation, to move into the Jordan journey. And in that, God has been speaking and moving. And I think it's important for us to grab a hold uh, of the fact that even though sometimes our eyes can tell us we're paused, we're not going anywhere, or we don't understand our journey, that God is with us. Amen. And uh, we want to be a church that celebrates that in every way. And so look forward to this as we go forward. And just keeping in theme, turn with me to Joshua chapter 3. Now, Breno did an amazing job last week. Let's give God praise for that, right? And uh, you're going to be hearing for a, a, from a couple of different elders uh, in the rest of this series. It's going to be good uh, as, we, as we begin to lay out some things. It's, it's just incredible to see what God is sharing. But as we start this morning, I want to talk about the Jordan journey. And this particular cycle we think that the Lord is breaking today. As we have taken every sermon so far and saying, in the Jordan journey, God is breaking the cycle of. And last week, I hope you grabbed the fact that God is breaking the cycle of the ordinary. You just think you're an ordinary person. And I loved how Breno shared it with us, that after 400 years of silence, inside of the first five sentences of the New Testament, God mentions an ordinary person. Come on, somebody. I mean, you would think that after 400 years of silence, that God's got something very important to say. He did. He did. And so watch today, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and, and they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel lodged there before they passed over. And at the end of three days... I, I can't tell you how significant the three days is. We've been there. The officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Now, pause for a minute. I need you to understand that they're not unfamiliar with seeing the Ark of the Covenant. We read this right now and we think, oh, that's a new thing. It's a strength. Maybe it'll get their attention. No, they've been hauling this thing around with them for 40 years. They have dragged it everywhere they have gone. It has been with them every day and they have seen it every day. Now all of a sudden the scripture says, or, or the, the, the officers say, listen, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, we see it every day. What are you talking about? Why is this different? It has been our routine. Everybody say routine. To see it every day. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from the place and follow it. Verse 4. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubics. That's about three-quarters of a mile in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, I, I, I want to I, I express this in the proper term this morning. I want to I share this in the right way. And I want you to grab a hold of it right at the beginning. Because I believe that God wants to break the cycle of routine in our life. Uh, maybe there's, a, there's something in your life that is so routine that you're just sick of it. You're just, but it's still there. you got to do it. It's the drudge and dread of the routine. I'm going to be honest with you, for me as a pastor, sometimes Sundays can be as routine as light poles on an interstate. They just go by. And before you know it, hello somebody, thousands of light poles have passed. 
That routine, it gets so routine that you don't notice it after a while. You begin to take it for granted or it blurs in the grand scheme of what you're seeing. Like light poles on a freeway. Hello, somebody. You see, I believe that in our lives, we all move forward into the unknown. And I believe that makes us all explorers. Now, some of you don't want to go far from home because you like your security. Hello, somebody. And me, I, I mean, I love the woods. I love to get in the woods. I love to go out. I love the adventure of those things. And in November, uh, uh, a couple of us are going to go for a, a week or so. And, and, and we're just going to be in the woods with what we got on our back. Hello, somebody. And, and I love just the unexplored. I love not knowing that, that thing. But, and you're like, nah, it's not for me. But you are an explorer. You really are, because every day you are moving forward in your life into the unknown. Come on. And I believe that inside of all of us is this longing to climb our personal Everest, our personal mountain. Everybody's got one. Hello, somebody. And yours might not be mine. And so the theme of the Jordan River... Think about this. It's moving onward into an unexpected future. This is the theme of the Jordan, an unexplored issue. Like we got, we've got to go through a door, but we don't know what's on the other side. We have some ideas and some thoughts about that, it, right? It's, it's, it seems like a daunting task to move forward sometimes. Come on, somebody say Amen. Come on, you've been hurt, you've been wounded, you've been going through some things, and you know you need to be full, go forward, but it seems, going forward seems so much more daunting to just sitting right where you're at. Even right where you are is so painful and it's so hurtful, but see, we know that going forward, it's a, it's a task that God calls us to. It's something God pushes us to. And that's why your mountain isn't my mountain Mine isn't yours, and we should never, ever, ever compare someone else's journey to our own. Because we're each climbing, we're each exploring an unknown area that God is calling us into. But let me tell you something, I want to be the guy who encourages you. I want to be the guy that encourages this church. I want to be the guy that puts hope and faith in front of us. There's great news about the Jordan journey. There is great news. Because even though the future may seem uncertain for us, it's never uncertain for God. God knows the future he's calling us to. God knows the past he's calling us from. You see, that's the struggle in your life, is you've gone through some things and you feel like no one knows what you've gone through, where you've been, what you've experienced. And it's not true. God knows every detail of your past, and that's why he calls you forward into your future. And let me tell you something, church. If God knows the details of our past, y'all not helping me. He also knows the details of our future. And you might be uncertain, but he is not. He is not. I love it that God knows my tomorrow as well as my yesterday. I love it that he loves to lead me where I have never gone before. I'm not always so very happy about it. Hello, somebody. But I do love that sense of adventure walking with God. I'm just telling you, like, you know, I give my heart and life to the Lord in September of 92, and, and that was it. I felt like, okay, I'm a Christian now. I got to behave myself. That was my testimony. My wife was leaving me. And so, I, I, you know, I was going to lose my family. And so I gave my heart and life to the Lord. And, and I thought, okay, you know, I've got to behave myself now. No more climbing trees and shooting whatever walks under it. No, no, more, no more blowing stuff up. No, 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 come on. That was me. Y'all have no idea. I'm a Christian now. If I behave, then everything will get better. And I want you to know that being a three-week-old Christian, and the first time I saw someone demonically possessed, I was a three-week-old Christian, and I saw a demon manifest. 
You may say, oh, that's weird. See, that's not what I thought. As my heart pounded in my chest and my wife watched me as I walked toward that thing. And she said, where are you going? And I was like, oh, that looks like fun. And I got up there and watched as the Lord cast the demon out of this lady. And as everyone celebrated, I heard the Spirit of God speak to me and say, you just thought your adventure was over. It has just begun. From that night to this, I have never looked back. Because there's something of God calling me forward to where I've never gone before. It hasn't always been pleasant. Listen, I was the first to say I don't want to move to Michigan. I'm a Florida boy, the beach, and hello somebody. There are no alligators to catch up in Michigan. But then God said, listen, it's my joy and my love to lead you where you've never gone. To let you see what you've never seen. To let you experience what you've never experienced. Hebrews chapter 11 is a, a, a verse 8 is one of those verses that gets into me and sinks deep inside of me. Where it explains that Abraham set out to go to a land because God said go. And the Bible specifically says he went not knowing where he was going. I'm like that's the spirit of an adventure. I love, I love Abraham, I love God, I love this sto- the whole story, this whole push, because, right, there they are, pushing into the unknown, leading where they've never gone. Abraham trusting that God knows the future. Church, now here we are in our text 400 years later, and Israel's at the same place, facing an unknown future. This is right where chapter 3 begins. It's right there. The descendants of Abraham are now doing the same thing Abraham was. They're they're facing an unknown future. And God, God being the gracious God that he is, he, he, he takes them through this transition. And it's good. Pay attention to this because I know you'll relate. Because here's what God is doing. He is moving Israel. And he's moving you. He's moving me. He's moving Israel. And he's moving you and he's moving me from being wanderers to being explorers. Come on, church. And the tool that he's using to do that is the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, you got to buckle your seatbelt. You're not ready. They're not ready, Bernard. They're not ready. Watch this. Forty years the nation of Israel has possessed the Ark of the Covenant. Church, you've got to understand, that was their routine. Now we understand in New Testament terms and ideology that the Ark of the Covenant represents the very presence of God. For 40 years, they had possessed the thing that represented the very presence of God. For 40 years, they have been dragging the presence of God around with them. It was something they dragged along on their journey. It was something that added weight to their journey. The the thing that represented the presence of God was something they... Just hauled along. The thing that represented the very presence of God was something that added weight to what they were carrying. I need to speak to some Christians this morning. I need to speak to some people who, who desperately feel like they've been carrying a load while they're following Jesus. I, I, I need to speak to some people this morning who've been on a journey uh, uh, and you know God has called you into a new future, a new way of doing things. You know God wants to break your routine, but you feel like having done what you're supposed to do, haul the ark around with you, that sometimes it just feels like an added weight. Because see, as believers over time, what happens here is God can just seem like something we're dragging along in a lot. They're not helping me. Over, over time, God can seem like something that makes the journey more difficult because of the things he asks of us. Man, we live in such a survival mode, especially now. 
After the last few years, man, it just seems like, man, let's just survive. Let's just hunker down and survive, right? Let's just try to make it through. Let's just try to get to the other side, right? And, 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 and if it's not something that keeps us locked down, then it's something that affects every... If it's not that medical or disease, it's, it's, it's financial, and now there's a, a, an economic crisis. When we forget, see, and, that God's been with us through everything. Can I say this to you, church? You can carry something around and not know it. Just because something is in your possession doesn't mean it's in the right position in your life. Y'all can tweet that. Just because something is in your possession does not mean it is in the right position in your life. And anything out of position isn't going to do anything but add weight to you. Anything out of position isn't going to do anything but add pain to you. So what's the difference? The nation of Israel... I've got to purposely break this routine of simply possessing the ark and start positioning the ark. Come on. Everywhere they went, the ark of the covenant has followed them in a circle. Come on. Everywhere they have gone for 40 years, the Ark of the Covenant has followed them. It's always been there. It hasn't not been there. It's not something they're unfamiliar with. It's not something that isn't available to them. It's just been there. Now... God says we break in this routine. Y'all not ready? You're not ready? You're not ready? God says, we're going to go from you, uh, from the ark following you, to you following the ark. There's a transition that's taking place. Before, they had possession of it. But now, God has called them to position it. I need you to understand something. There's not, there's not, a, there's not just a few of us in this room who need to experience the miracle working power of God. There's just not one or two who, who might desperately need a miracle in, in, in our lives in this room. There, there's a few of us. There might be more than a few of us. There might be a bunch of us who are desperately pleading for God to work a miracle. Whether it's emotional or physical, whether it's any way, we're pleading for God to demonstrate himself in a miraculous way. We're, we're pleading for God to manifest who he is in our life supernaturally. And if we want the miraculous power of God to be manifested in our life, we must make him the master of every area of our life. You can't pick God up like a hitchhiker. You can't pick God up like a hitchhiker and put him in the passenger seat and make Jesus somebody who's just along for the ride. I'm helping you this morning. You don't know it yet. Because so if God is a hitchhiker just along for the ride, then God becomes some kind of inconvenient, unnecessary weight that you having to divert your plans to deal with. That is not who he wants to be to us. That is not how he wants to relate to us. That is not what God wants his presence to be in our life. Whenever we make him the master of our lives and whenever we let him drive, we will go where he wants to go. So we need to come to the place in our life where we follow Jesus and we quit trying to make Jesus follow us. We're trying to live in all kind of willful sin and expect that Jesus will just follow us. On the... We're trying to live in all kind of disobedience and expect that God will just wink at it and not address it. 
Because we're so used to our routine of just dragging God along in life instead of following God. And let me tell you something. When you follow God, you won't walk in willful sin. When you follow God, you won't walk in disobedience. When you follow God, you won't wind up where you're not supposed to be. Hello, somebody. When you follow God, He will bless you. He knows where He's taking us. All disobedience in our life has its root in us wanting God to follow us instead of him, uh, us following Him. We're so used to our routine, though. Our routine can be what? The way we worship. It could be our reading schedule. We done violated the college students already. You got a reading schedule and it's for a grade. Wait, what? Yeah, you're a Bible student. You should read the Bible. Imagine that. <laughs> Hello, somebody. But that's not my routine. God is trying to violate your routine, I promise you. If God, listen, y'all just well join the club. I ain't going to be the only one in this club. I'm not. I can't be the only one in this club where God is wanting to violate my routines. Where he's wanting to carry me somewhere better than where I've been, better than where I'm at. Can I say this? There's no way Israel could have fully understood the full measure of what they had been hauling around for 40 years. It's literally the presence of Jesus among them. Come on, the Ark of the Covenant was a type of Christ. You gotta move beyond the raiders of the lost Ark. It's, it's sad that that is as familiar as some Christians are with the Ark of the Covenant. It's literally the presence of Jesus among them. Let me, let me prove this to you. It's gold on the outside. That's the divinity and the humanity of Jesus at the same time. Listen, this box was one foot deep, and it was two foot wide. It's not as big as you think it was. That's the humbleness of Jesus Christ on display. And then on the top of it, it's got this thick slab of gold called the mercy seat for the blood of the sacrifice, and that is the ultimate payment for who you and I are. Can I say this, church? Because of the mercy seat in the blood of Christ, can I say this? I want you to receive this. God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you. His wrath has been satisfied. You see, we live our lives sometimes in front of God, trying to drag God around because we're afraid. And, and the, the way we do it is because we're afraid that God's mad at us. He's not. And so they say to the people, listen, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, there's your routine, but it's going to be different now. It'll be different. It's going to be carried on the shoulders of the priests now. Well, that's a little different. Hello, somebody. It's, it's going to be carried up high. The presence of God is going to rest on the shoulders of his people. See, I got lots of sermons I could preach. I'm going to carry this thing. When you see it, when you see it, follow it. No, wait, wait, wait. We, not, we never followed it before. How will the presence of God know where to go if it doesn't follow us? I, I, let me just help you out. God's tired of wandering in your 40-year circle. And there's another sermon. God's got places to go. People are blessed. Come on, somebody. It is, it is so amazing, this aspect of it. But then he says to him, when you see it, follow it, but. Everybody say but. Stay three quarters of a mile back. 
Now, I, I've been at the eye doctor a little bit lately, and I, I had a conversation with the eye doctor this last week because I've been kind of, listen, I can't see, and I don't know why we can't get the prescriptions right. And you know what I've discovered? I had this conversation with the doctor. My problem is I'm too competitive. I want to win. I want to win at everything. And so when I go into the eye doctor's office and he says to me, what's the, what's the smallest line you can read? Oh, it's on. I want to win. And so I try my best to read the smallest line. It doesn't matter if there's two of those letters. I can still see both of them. <laughs> And so I said, I think that the reason we're being fr frustrated is, is the fact that I'm making this a competition. And he said, yeah, you, you, pro yeah, pro yeah, you shouldn't do that. Don't. It's not. Just, winning is seeing. And so I'm like, I got to lose in order to be able to see. He said, let's don't look at it that way. Let's look at it as surrender. See, I don't know if he's spirit-filled Christian, but both of us just did the glory run, right? You know what I'm saying? Three-quarter, and I can't see three-quarter. Hello, somebody. That's not my routine to follow something at three-quarters of a mile away. Can I, can I bless us this morning? Here, here's where we live. The great aspect of God's presence in our life is his closeness. Someone say amen. There's nothing sweeter than the closeness of Jesus. When you're, when you're wrestling, when you're struggling, when you feel alone, when you're working through some things, listen, when, when life is struggling, there's nothing more sweet than the... We sing songs, we write songs about it, we worship songs about God being close by God... God's talking about balance. You see, like you and I, Israel struggled with the full meaning of the presence of God among them. Let's say amen. I, like you and I, Israel struggled with the full meaning of God's presence among us. That's what he did. He, and so that's where we're at. And those things, see, what you need to understand about this church is both the grace of God and the presence of God always goes ahead of us into the next stage of our life. Let, let me prove it to you. Can I say this to you, right? Can I say this? I want you to receive it. He's three quarters of a mile ahead of you right now. He, he's, God's three-fourths of a month ahead of you, right? God, God is three-quarters of a year ahead of you right now. God is three-quarters of your lifetime ahead of you right now, right? The Lord is already in your future. Yes, He is. He's there clearing the way. God is in your future arranging the circumstances. God is there preparing a work for you. God is there weighing the burdens that you will bear. God is there in your future measuring the blessings He wants you to enjoy. We sing this song. He's the author of your story. Of course He knows the next chapter. He's ahead of you. He's ahead of you. Come on, don't act like you never, you pick up a book to read and you don't move to the last chapter to see what the ending is. Uh-huh. Something you do. All right, so it's just me. I repent. It doesn't end the way I want it to end. I don't read, I don't start it. I'm just like, I'm not reading that book. Our English, my English teacher, Marty Coley, her, her and I are still friends. It's the only reason I passed English in high school is because I had a crush on her. I'm just saying. Um, and it's the only reason I paid attention. And I used to tell her, I'm never going to use this stuff. I'm never going to write for a living. She literally laughs at me now. She would tell me, see, I told you. And sometimes I get a message from her and say, I, I listened to your sermon this past week. That was good. And then she'll say, I wonder who wrote that. Oh, There's Miss Marty. She's there pushing, right? She used to make us read books 
in English class that at the end of each chapter, you had to choose a direction. You, you ever read those books? And according to which direction you chose, you, you switched over to that chapter, right? And you started reading from there. And sometimes the book would end abruptly if you chose the wrong chapter. Like, too bad for you, you died. So you couldn't read ahead in order to decide if you're going to read the book. And then your target to write uh, your essay on the book was how you survived through the book. Hated those books because I couldn't cheat. Hello, somebody. Here's where they're at. They're at a place where God is measuring the blessings in their future. I'm taking you to a land full of milk and honey. It wasn't their idea. It wasn't their perspective of the promised land. It was what God told them was in their future. And on top of that, here's the ark. It wasn't empty. Everybody say, it's not empty. Come on, the presence of God isn't empty. It's not empty. It held some things. It held Aaron's rod, which represents God's power. It held the Ten Commandments, which represents God's precept. It held the manna, which represents God's provision. I need you to think of it this way. You don't know what your future holds, but you're headed to a place that you've never seen before. And Jesus is going ahead of you in power. He's going ahead of you in precept. He's going ahead of you in provision. That's all we need to make the most of our tomorrow. It's right there. It's right there. Sometimes I'm out in the woods, in the wilderness, right? I remember in Colorado, you, you, you break over the cliff. You got 60 pounds on your back, and you're, you're headed through a valley. And you get to the other side of the valley, and you cross this little stream. And right there's a big sign in your face that says, You are now entering White River Wilderness. There is nothing in front of you but wilderness for the next several hundred miles. No, there ain't no 7-Eleven. You're not getting no Coke Icy on the corner store. And it, it, for it, it's reality in your face. And I had a compass. Hello, somebody. And like, which way we headed? And that compass has four directions on it. We got to go north. And that's the state. We got to stay on this line on the compass, and that'll lead us up the right ridge, all the places that we want to go. So we had mapped this out, and we're following this compass, right? The thing about a compass is you got to read it. Hello, somebody. It's one thing to possess it. It's another thing to position. Can I say this? In our reading of the compass of our life, we know there are four points. But see, unbelief wants to drag us away from the thing that gives us guidance. Can I say this? Unbelief keeps you in routine, and it will always say to you, let's go back to where it's safe. But see, faith breaks the cycle of routine, and it pushes us forward and says, let's go where God is working. Psalms 37, 23, a person's steps are established by the Lord, and he takes pleasure in his ways. I don't know how many times I've approached this scripture and read it out loud to the Lord. When I feel like my steps are struggling, when I feel like I don't know the direction I'm supposed to go, when I feel like I've been obedient and the direction I'm going still feels off or I'm not exactly happy with it, the scripture comes to me by the word of God breathed and written down in this book. And it says, a person's steps are established by the Lord and the Lord takes pleasure in the way that I go. God is involved. The Lord not only establishes my steps in advance, but he delights when I follow in it. Come on, church. That way he's leading us where we've never been before. Can I, can I just get personal with this this morning? It's all right. I just meddle a little bit. It's okay. You still have to love me. We've got to live in heaven forever together. Some of you know you're on a journey. And you know you're on a journey where you've never been before. That's not a new revelation. It's not. But what is new here is you're wrestling about your journey is about the fact that you aren't confident in God's leadership. 
Now, see, I can say amen or oh me because it hits me. Now, when the journey's hard, when it's unknown, God, you know where you're going? Come on, am I the only one? Must be because it's quiet. Are you sure, Lord, this is what we're supposed to do? Lord, am I wrestling with disobedience? Am I just not confident in your leadership? See, the lack of confidence in him causes me to base my journey on my own decision-making. And the wrestling is always this. How does God's will and my decision-making merge into one strategic system for my life? See, now Pastor Josh is trying to help you. And here's all I can share with you. And it's a wrestling we all have, and we're all going to wrestle it until Jesus comes back. But the will of God and our own decision-making in our life merge when we first develop a deep conviction for God's sovereignty. He's either Lord or He's not. He's either, he either reigns or He doesn't. He's either in charge or He isn't. Come on. He, he, he's, he's, he's either leading us or he isn't. He either knows where he's going or he's not. Hello, somebody. The sovereignty of God in our life helps me say, God, I trust you. Your jurisdiction over every detail in my life, past, present, and future. You guide me because you govern me. You make a way for me that nothing or nobody can stop. That's a good word, Tim Carpenter. He oversees every detail. And, and, and here's the thing. God overlooks nothing. I, there's never a time when I can go to God and say, Lord, you forgot about that. That's not true. I forget details. Come on. You forget details? See, this is why I go to the store with a list. Because, see, the problem with the big box stores is there's always a tool aisle. And I'm supposed to be getting groceries. <laughs> now, what by the tool aisle? Like, what was that? Hey, that was new. My wife will say, hey, we need to order this. Uh, can you go on Amazon and put it in the cart? Yes. The, the, the problem with that is something always extra goes in the cart. My wife will be like, what, what, is, what is that? I, it was, I don't know. It, was, it, happened. it just kind of poof. There it was. It, it showed up. God doesn't overlook details in your life. His redemptive power turns every curse into a blessing. Most of our worries would vanish, church, if we would just grasp the extremity of God's sovereignty in our life. Second, my will and God's will merge together when there's a wholehearted willingness for me to follow God. See, my stubborn self will ruin God's plan. Can I see it? Psalms 32. I will instruct you and show you the way to go with my eye on you. I will give you counsel. Do not be like a horse or a mule. Now, I read that to you in the ESV because some of y'all get violated if I read it to you in the King James. You'd be all. Can I read my Bible and go, that, that's not what it said? That, that's not what it said. Hello, somebody. He said, he's got a different word. I'm telling you, just it's right, it's in there, it's in there. We have to say like Israel did. Everything, everywhere. Whatever you say, everything you say, and everywhere you say to go. Everything, everywhere. And here's the third part of merging your decision-making with the will of God. It's back to the compass. And it's got 
Four points. Quickly, quickly. Everybody say quickly. N stands for nearness. It goes without saying that it's critical to stay close to the shepherd as he leads. Y'all didn't say amen. Can, can I just say, you ever feel like you're pushing a rock up a hill? Oh, it's going to get there. Because I want to win. Just ask the eye doctor. Israel had to stay three quarters of a mile back. But you and I have the privilege of staying as close as we want to our loving Savior. And let me say this to you, church, the closer the better. Psalm 73, nevertheless, I'm continuing with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish, but you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful. Hello, somebody. But for me, it is good to be near God. But for me, it is good to be near God. That's verse 28. For me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge. That I may tell of all your works. N stands for nearness on your compass. S stands for scripture. Do you know I've looked in this book and I have not found a scripture that tells me which brand of car I should buy. Now, there's lots of people with positions. Here I am driving a Ford, and all the Chevy guys are like, <laughs> Your Ford stands for, right? Found on road dead. Your Ford stands for, right? Fix or repair daily. I get it. But see... Next Saturday, I'm going to the race. Brent, Breno's going to preach again next week. Y'all be nice to him. Ford, to me, is first on race day. First on race day. Sorry about the Chevy guys, Toyota guys, whatever. doesn't matter. There's no scripture that tells me which brand of car to buy. Have you ever been wrestling with a decision... And struggle to find scripture that gives you a direct message of what to do. The scripture may not speak specifically to something, but it does speak principally to everything. And the more time we spend in the word of God, the more wisdom we get to make decisions. Hello, church. The word of God always enlightens our thinking. Scripture is very important in your life. Yes, college students, it is for a grade this year. Get over it. Read your scripture, you'll get an A. You guys in high school, remember? You're tired of being there. You just want to take the basic class. Hello, somebody. Listen, I, was, I just wanted out of there so bad, I need an easy A. Right? So I took economics. You know what we did in, in home ec is what it was called. Home ec. You know what we did in home ec? We sewed. That's true. I learned how to use a sewing machine in home ec. You know what we did in home ec? We learned how to write a check. You know, y'all got, you got no clue. You got no clue. We learned how to balance the register. You got no, got no idea. And you know what we did? We did it in cursive. No idea. No idea. And we could read it. <laughs> These people can't even read the original founding documents of our country because it's written in cursive. It's really not their fault because we actually are dumbing down our kids. We should, come on. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Mr. Hartong, sorry. Sorry. So you know who sews at our house? 
really sorry. My wife, does, she don't know, not doing it. She's, I was like, hey, can you put this button back on these shorts for me? She's like, nah, we just buy you a new pair of shorts. And I'm like, nah, just put the button on there. Just so, I don't know, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. She will cook you some Thai food. Hello, somebody. I'm going to eat some today. She's I'm a, you don't get it in the kitchen. Listen. <laughs> this, is a pro- this is a problem with being married to a prophet. You can't even tell a story. Can't even tell a story. You, I took home ec because I need the easy A. I was lazy. Hello, somebody. Don't be lazy about reading your Bible. Don't, don't be lazy about reading the only thing that gives you life, the thing that God promised would renew your mind, the thing that God said would give you peace that passes all understanding. Don't be lazy about reading your Bible. Oh, man, so much life. But outside of the love of my wife, the greatest change agent in my whole life has been my dedication to reading this book. I promise you it changed me. E stands for events. I got to hurry. Everybody say hurry. We got Thai food to eat. Hello, somebody. Events. Can I, I'm just going to say this boldly. God allows circumstances. But even in the circumstances that God allows, he's in every detail. If God allows it, he's involved in every detail of it. Don't be afraid of the events of your life as if God doesn't know what's going on. Peter said to me, when you're tried by some strange trial, don't, don't, think, it's, don't think it's strange when some fiery trial comes into your life. I gotta move I gotta move on. W stands for weighing the options. Proverbs 16, 9. A person's heart plans his ways, but the Lord determines his steps. The Lord expects us to use balance. Come on, somebody. Psalms 25, 4. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truths and teach me, for I wait for you all day long. Come on up here, worship team. Joshua is saying to us, we need to follow the ark because we've never been this way before. And there's some people in this room, God's got you on a journey you've never been this way before. And your routine has been to drag God along. God's breaking this routine. God's breaking this routine. We need to follow the ark if we're going to cross the Jordan and we're going to live in Canaan. I said we need to follow the ark if we're going to cross the Jordan and live in Canaan. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. You got to get your eyes off the water of worry. Oh, oh, and put them on the ark of his presence. Listen, we've been on the river now for about a year. We, We just, I think we've been there a year. And it is so easy to sit there and stare at the water. Can I tell you? It is so easy to sit and stare at worry. And God spoke to me the other day, as much as I like looking at the river, and the other night the moon was full. It was, I don't know, 10.30 at night or something. It was so bright, you could see all the way across the river. And it, it, at nighttime, maybe it was 11 o'clock, I can't remember, it was late. And in the middle of the river, it was so bright, the swans had not even bedded down. They were out there feeding, and you could see them in the middle of the river. I was just standing there staring at them, and, and there they were. I was like, they didn't even go to bed tonight. And I felt the Lord speak to me because I was contemplating this message. He said, are you a river watcher or an ark watcher? Okay, Jesus, I'll let the swans go to bed. We've got to get our eyes off the problem. We've got to get our eyes off the test. We've got to get our eyes off the trial and on the God who directs us through uncharted paths in order to reach the land of victory that we want to live in. Joshua 3.3. Joshua 3, 3, watch this, and command the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of God being carried 
by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Then you shall set out from your place and follow it. God breaks the cycle of routine by repositioning himself in our life. Stand with me in this house. Can I say this to you? No matter where you're at or the journey you're on right now, don't be afraid to follow God. Church, no matter where you're at, don't be afraid to follow God. When you see the presence of God, no matter where you're at, hello somebody, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter where you've been camped, no matter where you've been living, come on church, when you see the presence of God, when you see the presence of God, no matter what is happening, follow it. God is repositioning himself in our lives, church. In the New Testament, modern day church, God wants to reposition himself. And God is not interested in following us in our circles and our cycles anymore. God wants to lead us into his promise and his blessing. You better say amen. You better say amen. You better see there's some married folk that need the blessing. God's tired. Come on. There's some prodig- Some parents have been praying for some prodigals. God is going to lead. I'm telling you every aspect of where you're on a journey. You're trying to wrestle this out. A direction to go, God wants to lead us. You you someplace you didn't want to be. You wound up someplace that you never thought you would be because someone else made a decision that you had no control over. But God says, I'm leading you. Position me and watch what I will do. And so, Father, in this place today, thank you. You're not mad at us, Lord. You're rejoicing over us. And God, this morning in this place, if we have carried you, Lord, if our religion or our ideology is gone, has caused us to see you in a way that you follow us through life, and we've become so familiar or routine with seeing you, and, and, and you're just there like a weight. Lord, nothing gets our attention like repositioning something. And so, Father, thank you that even now in this place, you are repositioning yourself. There's some people who need some healing, and they've been, they've been struggling with sickness and disease. And God, you're repositioning yourself as the healer. There's some people who need some deliverance, God, and you are repositioning yourself as the deliverer, God. Lord, there's some people who need a breakthrough, God, and you are repositioning yourself as a God that no chain can hold, as a, as a God who's not fettered down by anything or anyone. God, there's some miracles that need to happen, Lord, and you are repositioning yourself. So we wait on you, Lord. Love you, Lord. If you want to move out, oh, come to the altar. Never Spend a minute with God. Me. We're going to give you a minute. And all my God days, is breaking some routines that I'm you know. You know you should be letting him challenge, but From you're resisting it. God I wants to do some stuff with you. He wants to reposition himself. Till I lay my head.